0: Amen. Well, happy Thursday. How are we? You guys enjoy your Christmas? Was it good? New Year's. You guys get extra Jesus points. Everybody say extra Jesus points. Showed up to church during the holiday season. Come on, Jesus sees, all right? Two of you are excited. Um, Glad to be with you. My name is Jake. I'm one of the pastors on the team here. If you have your Bible, you can head over to Luke chapter 13 you can get the bible under the chair or under you or in front of you and you can go to page 873 and that's where we'll be in a minute but imagine that a story has been passed down in your family to you and it's been passed down for so many generations from generation to generation for so many years that you don't you don't even really know how old this story is but It concerns a distant grandfather of yours. And the story goes that your distant grandfather lived in the very presence of God. That your distant grandfather enjoyed the goodness, grace, and generosity of God in the kingdom of God, the glorious kingdom of God. But that your distant grandfather was foolish. And instead of remaining humble, he became proud. And instead of choosing a path of obedience, your grandfather chose the tragic path of disobedience. And instead of choosing life, your grandfather chose death. And so he fled from the presence of God. Your grandfather declared war on God, led an insurrection against God. He disowned, disavowed disobeyed God and fled from his presence. The story goes that he came to the edge of the kingdom of God, and there he found a small, narrow door. And your distant grandfather passed through that door, and that door slammed shut behind him. And the story goes that every, ever since then, Every generation of your family has been born on that side of that door, outside of the glorious kingdom of God that your grandfather lived in at first. Imagine that there's this legend that's been passed down from generation to generation that somewhere there is a long, narrow, dark tunnel. And at the end of that long, dark tunnel, there is a small, narrow door that's cracked open just enough for some light to peer into the tunnel. And that that door is the entry point back into the kingdom of God and his presence. But it's been lost. Nobody knows where it is until on a day of providence, you're out hiking in the woods and you see a long, narrow dark tunnel. And you think, could that be the tunnel that's passed down in this story from generation to generation in my family? Could that be it? And you think, no, nah, it's probably not. But with a bit of hope, you step into that tunnel and you go to the end of it. And sure enough, you find there a small, narrow door cracked open just enough for some light to spill into the dark tunnel. But imagine that in addition to that, there are thousands of other doors, each one representing a different religion, ideology, philosophy, each one guaranteeing life after death, eternal life, and the promise of a blessing on the other side, each one inviting you to place your hand on the knob, turn it, open the door, and cross over by faith the threshold into whatever world is on the other side. So now you're left with a decision. What door will you choose? What fate will you endure? What world will you enter into? It's kind of a big, lofty, hypothetical question, isn't it? In Luke 13, Jesus is walking around and through towns and villages, and he's preaching. And somebody asks him this question in verse 23. He says, Lord, will those who are saved be few? It's an interesting question, right? Will those who are saved be few? It's one I've asked before, like one you may have thought about. Like how many are going to make it into heaven, right? Like we live in the Bible Belt, a lot of people in church. Are all these people in church going to be in heaven? I mean. How many are gonna make it, Jesus? Maybe it's a little more personal for you. Like maybe you go in your room and you look at the laundry hamper and it's empty and around it is all your husband's clothes. And you're like, is he even saved? I mean, I don't, No, I'm kidding, but maybe it's not a joke. Maybe Maybe you're the husband and you need to throw your stuff in the right place. But also maybe you wonder, is my spouse gonna make it? You look at your kids and you think, are they gonna be in heaven? You Maybe you lost somebody. And people said, man, they're in a better place. But you wonder if that's true. Lord, will those will those who are saved be few? I mean, how many are gonna make it? It's a really good question. And Jesus answers in verse 24. He says, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. And he said something really similar in Matthew. 13, check it out, verse, or Matthew 7, verse 13, he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Isn't that interesting? So, so there is, in fact, a door or a gate to divide, to separate, to categorize those who are in and those who are out. There is a door that tells us those who are in the family and those who are not. Welcome and unwelcome. And listen, beloved, this is important. God is on one side and you and I, we start out on the other. God is on one side and we are on the other. Holiness on one side, unholiness on the other. Life on one side, death on the other. There's this door of division, separation between us and God. And and Jesus says in Matthew 7 and Luke 13 that it's a narrow door, that it's small, that, that, that few make it. Few find it, and even fewer enter by faith through this small door. Destruction, death, and the path to that is wide. The door large, the way easy. But life, the path narrow, the door small, the way difficult. I mean, he even said that some people will seek to enter it and not be able. They'll try and they just can't. And so in Luke 13, this big kind of lofty question is asked of Jesus, how many are going to make it to heaven? Like what's, what's is it going to be a lot or is it going to be a few? It's this big lofty question, right? And sometimes, sometimes kids ask those kinds of questions, right? At least my kids do. Um, sometimes it's by accident. Like my kids ask me a question that's big and huge and deep and lofty, and they really expect me to have the answer. They just, it's just on their mind. They throw it out, and Dad probably has the answer. Like a couple weeks ago, my daughter Marie, we were eating dinner as a family, and we were discussing Trinitarian doctrine because that's what we do at dinners as a family. If you're not doing that, you're not living. Not really. Really, we were just asking them what they learned at church, okay? And so Marie asked this good question. She goes, hey, uh, was Jesus born, like, you know, born as a baby? Or, or was he, like, part of creation? And he, did he live before that? And I was like, yes. It's both. But how could, he, how could he be born as a baby but also be creator and all that? And so we talked. We talked about trinitarian doctrine we talked about the nature of god and we talked about how dads don't always have the answers so we talked sometimes those questions are accidentally deep and thought provoking other times they're not like like my boys asked me a couple weeks ago dad 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 if i sneeze cough and pass gas at the same time will i die i'm like uh no i don't i don't think so that's a weird kind of combination of symptoms but I have been watching House, Dr. House, for a long time, and I'm pretty sure you'll be okay, right? My boy, I have three boys, they ask really weird questions, okay, and uh, they're not as polite as I just made them out to be. Sometimes it's lofty, spiritual, other times not so much, and sometimes, sometimes these questions are evasive, my kids' questions. Like, I have a teenager and she asks questions to get me. She tries to get me off track all the time. She's always trying to trick me and get me to do something different. So I may ask her, like, hey, I need you to do the laundry. And she'll be like, but why do we do laundry? I mean, it seems like we're a little too obsessed with having clean clothes and a lot of clothes to wear. Shouldn't we just give these clothes to people who need them? I'm like, just do the laundry, all right? Just ponder those questions while you're washing the clothes, all right? That's what we're going to do. Or I'll say, mow the lawn, and she'll say, I'll say, we need to mow the lawn. She'll be like, nah, do we, though? Because, I mean, it seems like we shouldn't really care what our neighbors think about the length of our grass, Dad. I don't know why we care. I'm just gonna mow, mow the lawn, all right? Or she's like, hey, I, I got a question. Like, if I'm, if I'm going to leave my bedroom, and tonight I'll be back, and I'll mess up the sheets when I go to bed, And no one's going to enter my room from this point until that point other than me. Why do I have to make my bed every morning? That was actually me asking my wife that question. When I was a teenager and we just got married, I'm like, why are we doing this? We don't make our bed anymore. Sometimes these questions are good. Sometimes they're evasive. This person in Luke 13, he goes, How many are going to make it, Jesus? And Jesus doesn't answer that directly like a good parent. He just goes, what about you, though? Like, what about... That's a really interesting question about who's all going to make it. You know, what about you? You strive to enter the narrow gate. Don't worry about the numbers. Just strive to enter the narrow door. Have you ever played that game with Jesus before? The one where... (laughs) You try to get the focus off of you and your sin and your conviction and on to other people and their sin. Maybe the masses and their sin are some mystery of the universe. You ever played that game with Jesus before? It's church, you can be honest. I've played it so many times. You just be like, Jake, I need to talk to you about something. I'll say, okay, Jesus, we'll talk in a second, but let me ask you a question. Like, just hypothetically speaking, if there's a guy in Africa, right, Jesus, and, and, like, he's a good guy, and he never really hears the gospel, and he never gets a chance to say yes to you, and he's a really good guy, Jesus. Like, if he dies, will he go to heaven or hell? Jesus is like, uh. I need to talk to you about something. That's not what we're talking about. I need to talk to you about, you know what I need to, Jake, you need to, I need to talk to you about something. I'm like, okay, Jesus, we'll get to that in a minute. But speaking of talking to you, I want to understand better how I can hear your voice. Jake, just obey. I need to talk to you. You know what I'm talking about. Stop. Just obey. I mean, some of those questions are good to ask every now and then, right? I like to ponder deep questions, but not if you skip over the most important question. What about about you? Will you be saved? Will you spend eternity in heaven or hell, life or death, blessing or judgment? Jesus says it's all about what side of this small, narrow door you end up on. It's all about this narrow door. Listen, the atheists are wrong, There's more to this life than the physical. There's more to this life than evolution. There's more to this life than just here and now. There, there is more. The atheists are wrong. Listen, the pluralists are lying. There's not a bunch of different doors to go to. There's not a bunch of different ways. It's not like, hey, just be sincere, choose a path, and then some higher power will let you in. The pluralists are lying. Jesus said very clearly in John 14:6 that he is the way. There is no other way to the Father except through Jesus. The pluralists are lying lying. Listen, the the universalists are lying, and, and we have a lot of them. They don't know they're universalists, but we have a lot of them. Not everyone will go to this better place when they die. But that's what we say at funerals, right? That they're in a better place. We say foolish things at funerals. If we believe the Bible, most have not, most will not be in a better place, will they? There is, in fact, a door, and it's a narrow door. Think about this. In one way, Christianity is an exclusive movement. There's no salvation, forgiveness of sin, eternal life, apart from Jesus the door is narrow Jesus is the only way no hope for sinners other than Jesus you say that's not what this famous pastor says that I listen to pastor so-and-so doesn't matter what he says it matters what Jesus says you go well that's not what my family and my friends think we kind of think like you can just kind of like you know just believe your truth and I'll believe my truth and it's not that narrow and you can kind of find a different way that's Great, but it doesn't matter what they think, it matters what Jesus thinks. Jesus says there's a small, narrow door. Christianity is this exclusive movement, there's only one way, one path, one narrow door. That's it. But at the same time, Christianity is also inclusive. Think about it, because all are welcome, all nations, all languages. All tribes, all castes, all levels of intellect, the poor and the rich, the smart and the simple, the young and the old, all are welcome to enter this narrow door. You see, many, many religions would teach you that you have to be good to get a good eternity, right? Right? But you have to have your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. And if you're good enough, then the higher power will let you in if you're good enough, right? But Christianity teaches, no. The worst among us, the most vile, the most evil among us, if they sincerely repent and believe in Jesus for their salvation and only Jesus, even if it's on their dying bed, if their deathbed in their, with their dying breath, They, too, can enter through this narrow door into eternal life. There's one door. It's narrow. It's exclusive. But it's simultaneously and impossibly inclusive. Because all are welcome to pass through this one narrow door. Do you feel this divine tension? But Jesus says something else about this narrow door. Doesn't leave it there. Look at back at Luke 13, verse 25. He says, When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where. You come from. So there's this narrow door, and the master of the house will shut this narrow door, and people will want to come in. And Jesus says that they're not going to be able to come in. They're going to be stuck on the wrong side of this small, narrow door. And then look at what these people will say in verse 26. Then you will begin to say, Jesus says this, that that we ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. Jesus is saying here that there's going to be people who aren't allowed into the narrow door. And those people will go, but Jesus, we hung out with you. I mean, we've sat under your teaching. We've read your teaching. We've, we, we know you know us. And the master will insist, no, I don't. I don't know you. I don't know you. And then he'll say, depart from me, all you workers of evil. Wow. Wow. I mean, this is a sobering passage, isn't it? The thing is, I'm not sure I would call these people evil like Jesus does. I mean, I don't get the sense that these are murderers and thieves, scum of the earth. Do you? I get the sense that these are people we're hanging out with. These are people that we're with that are hearing the teaching of Jesus. These are people that we, we know, Right? We hang out with them. We eat with them. I mean, it really seems like these people look good. I mean, these are good people. I mean, if I'm standing inside the door with Jesus and he's shutting it, I'm probably going, wait a second, Jesus. I know that guy. He's good. I can vouch for him. Let him in. I know that. I think he belongs inside. I think he should get in. But it matters not what I think. It matters only what Jesus thinks. Why were these people evil? Because they didn't know Jesus. They hadn't gone through the narrow door. They had chosen to look for salvation in another bigger, wider door. Maybe they saw the narrow door. Maybe they hung out with people who ended up going through the narrow door. Maybe they took a couple selfies in front of the narrow door. But they never went through it. It seems like Jesus is saying, in essence, that the narrow door is open to me, but not forever. Doesn't it seem like he's saying that? there's a narrow door and it's open, but it's it's closing. The door is closing. It won't be open to me forever. I've been praying for you. For tonight, for this weekend, that God would let us have ears to hear this message. To hear this message from Jesus, from Luke chapter 13. There is this narrow door, this hard to find, hard to enter door, will close. But here's the good news. For you, for me, it hasn't yet. I mean, it hasn't closed. If you're listening, if you're able to hear this, it hasn't closed yet. We've still got hope. As long as there's breath in my lungs, there is hope for my soul. Amen? So there is still hope for us today. Once I die, the door closes with me on one side or the other. And man, I'd like to think that I'm going to live a lot longer. But I don't know. All I know is that I will die. I know that we will die, each of us. The question is just when. You may have breath in your lungs and hope for your soul now, but you may not tomorrow. And these people, Jesus talks about. In Luke 13, they they were surprised when they found themselves having passed away, having died, and they're on the wrong side of the narrow door, banging on it, and they can't get in. And Jesus goes, I don't know you. I mean, they're surprised. So I have this question for you. Do you think that it's possible for someone to, to grow up in a Christian home, to go to youth camp, to raise their hand for salvation, to say they believe, to even go to church throughout their life here and there, to have a bunch of Bibles in their home and even read it every now and then, to wear the cross necklace and the cross T-shirt. Do you believe, do you think it's possible that this person could end up Standing outside this door telling Jesus, I belong to you. And have Jesus go, no. No, you don't belong to me because it's a it's a narrow door. I would have seen you come in. It's a single file line. I would have seen if you came in, you knew some people in line, but you never went through the door. I mean, do you think that's possible? That's... That someone, someone could be like around the door like on a regular basis and never go through it? That's kind of a big, lofty, hypothetical question about someone else, isn't it? One that my teenager might ask me. Do you think that this could be some of us? That some of us may hang out around the narrow door? but never go through it? I mean, I wonder how many of us will be knocking on that closed, narrow door, expecting to be let in, only to find ourselves stuck outside. You know, in 2020 and 2021, it really it really felt like it was extra easy to, like, jump on bandwagons and, like, get excited about to follow people down these wide paths here's what i'm saying it felt like more than normal because it was so divisive and everybody's doing all this virtue signaling it felt like more than normal there were a lot of wide paths being labeled the narrow path are you tracking with me like if you don't wear masks you don't love people and you don't love Jesus. Wearing masks is the narrow path. Wait a second. If you, if you wear masks, you're just living in fear and you need to trust Jesus. Not wearing masks is the narrow path. Hey, if you don't get a vaccine, you don't love people because you're just spreading the virus and you don't care. Getting a vaccine is the narrow path. Wait a second, the vaccine is from the devil, and you shouldn't do it. And if you do it, you don't love Jesus. Not getting the vaccine is the narrow path. The narrow path is red. The narrow path is blue. Beloved, the narrow path is Jesus. Jesus Christ is the narrow path. What if in 2022 we live the truth that all that other stuff is secondary to this? Jesus is the narrow door. I mean, he said it explicitly in John 10. He says, I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in. Jesus is the narrow door. God became man. We celebrated that a few days ago at, at I almost at Easter, but you know what I mean, Christmas. I, I've done that for years, called Christmas Easter. I don't know what my problem is. We celebrated God becoming man at Christmas just a couple of days ago, and he lived without sin. And here in Luke 13, he's on his way to Jerusalem, and Jesus is focused, committed, devoted to getting to Jerusalem. And right after what we read in Luke 13 about the narrow door, the religious leaders come to Jesus and they go, you better stop teaching that, because if you keep teaching that stuff, you're going to die, you're going to be murdered, you're going to be killed. And Jesus goes, I know, that's why I got to get to Jerusalem, I got to get there, I got to go, and he's resolved to get there. He had to suffer and die in our place for our sin as our Savior to pay our debt to God and to take that door that our distant grandfather Adam through his rebellion and his sin slammed shut and as the new Adam as the last Adam to open that door so that the light of the kingdom of God might shine into the darkness of this world and so that you and I might be invited to enter through that narrow door Jesus Christ is The narrow door. Jesus Christ in Luke 13 is talking about the narrow door on his way to Jerusalem to prove that he is the narrow door. He died in your place for your sins as your substitute and Savior. Jesus is the narrow door. Exclusive. It's only Jesus. Inclusive, anybody and everybody can come to and through Jesus. Exclusive and impossibly simultaneously inclusive, but maybe that still seems harsh to you. Maybe you're going, yeah, but how can it be that narrow? Maybe you got some of those lofty questions rolling around in your head, like how could Jesus be love and shut the door? How could it be love and people go to hell? Maybe you got these lofty questions kind of rolling around. I I just want to ask you, what do you think Jesus is feeling in Luke 13? And what do you think he's doing? How do you picture him talking about the master shutting the door and people being locked out? You think he's laughing? You think he's mocking? You think he's going, I told you so to all these people who will be stuck Outside of the narrow door? No. I think he's closer to weeping, don't you? And I think his heart is broken for you. And out of his great love for us, he warns and he corrects and he points out our blind spot to save us an eternity of suffering. Listen, 2,000 years ago, Jesus did rise from death. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus did ascend into heaven. And yes, he will come back one day to judge the living and the dead. But the heart of Jesus today is the same as the heart of Jesus that day in Luke chapter 13. And he's weeping, asking, pleading with you to come through the narrow door. His arms are stretched out wide. His eyes are wet with tears. And he wants you to come in. He's asking, he's he's saying, run through the narrow door. He knows when you'll die. He knows what will happen to you. He knows the choices you will make. He knows the price that must be paid for justice. And he's weeping, inviting you to run by faith through the narrow door. The narrow door that he has died, he has suffered, he has defeated death so that you could come through. This is God's love. This is God's love for you. This narrow door. I believe Jesus right now is weeping for us as he was weeping for them. And my prayer through this message as I've prepared is that you would run through this door. Listen, the door is closing, but it hasn't yet. There's hope for your soul. So I want you to hear hope in this message, but also urgency like exclusive and inclusive there there's hope but there's also urgency right it can be both right it can be both the door is open but it won't always be so so where are you with jesus i mean have you have you entered through the narrow door listen parents can't carry kids through the narrow door friends can't push other friends through the narrow door You don't get through the narrow door because of the great Christian your dad was, or your grandpa was, or your grandma was. That's not the way it works. You have to choose for yourself. So, have you done that? Imagine, imagine on a day of providence, walking in the woods, you find this long, dark tunnel, and you enter it. And at the end of this long, dark tunnel, You find this small, narrow door, the door in the story that's been passed down from generation to generation in your family. But at the same time, you see thousands of other doors. All of them promise eternal life. All of them guarantee your joy and your happiness on the other side. But there's only one that actually gets you to life, and it's narrow. It's small. You have to duck down to get through it. You have to search to find it. You have to humble yourself to enter it. How many, Jesus, will make it? I mean, how many are going to be in heaven? All these people are going to be in heaven? How many many people are going to be in heaven? That's That's a good, lofty, interesting question. But a better one is have I entered through the narrow door? Have I put my faith completely and only in Jesus? The door is closing, but it's not closed to us yet. As long as there is breath in your lungs, there is hope for your soul. So I don't want to leave here without giving you a chance, a moment to decide to enter through this narrow door to give your life completely, put your faith completely and only in Jesus. So let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Jesus, we ask that you would be in this moment with us. Holy Spirit, that you would draw people to you. Draw them to that narrow door. So if you have not entered through this door. The door is Jesus. There's no other door. There's no other way. Listen, good works, you may be a good person. Good works won't work, so Jesus was good for you. You may be making a lot of sacrifices in your life for other people. Listen, sacrifice won't work. You can't sacrifice anything good enough, so Jesus was the sacrifice for you. He's the only Door, just because your name is registered with a certain, like, group or political party, that doesn't mean you're in. That doesn't mean you've gone through the door. You've got to personally and and individually enter through this door. If you've tried, been trying to enter through some other door, any other door, to get joy, to get life, to find God, I want to give you this moment to choose to enter through Jesus to come to Jesus to come to this small narrow door he said I'm the door anybody who comes through me can go in so right now just tell him god i want to enter through jesus i want jesus to be not only the way but my way i want jesus i want to find jesus in this moment I want to enter through Jesus. Just tell him. If that's you, I want to pray for you. So with our eyes closed and our heads bowed, doesn't matter if it's one person or a hundred people, I want to give you a chance to give your life over to Jesus, and I want to pray for you. So if that's you and you say, yeah, man, I don't know what I've been doing. Maybe you know exactly, maybe you don't, but I know that I have not entered through that narrow door you were talking about and Jesus was talking about in Luke 13. If that's you, with our eyes closed and our heads bowed, just slip your hand up so I can pray for you. Yeah, I see that hand. Anyone else? Yeah. Keep those hands up. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Yep, up in the balcony, I see you. Anyone else? Yeah. Hold them up. Let me pray for you. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, God, that you would protect the seed that's been planted tonight. God, your word says that, the devil would come and snatch away the seed and God I just pray in Jesus name a hedge of protection over these hearts these souls these lives who raise their hands I pray Jesus that they leave here 100% completely transformed by your holy spirit I pray that today is the day of their salvation that they remember this day for the rest of their lives that they're different they're changed because they've entered through the narrow door if you raised your hand, just make sure that you, you pray. Make sure that you tell somebody you came with, hey, I, I raised my hand. I gave my life to Jesus. I want to be different. We want to walk with you through that, and they want to walk with you through that. So make sure you tell somebody. But keep our eyes closed and our heads bowed for just a moment longer. Maybe you're saved. You know you're saved. You know you've, you've entered through this narrow door, Right? You've got fruit in your life. You know that you've already done this. But if, you're on, if, if that's you, then just thank God that you are among the few, Jesus said, who would find the door and not only find it, but by faith enter through it. Just thank God. Just go, Jesus, thank you because I found the door. I mean, isn't that awesome? And if you're not excited, just pray that he'll return the joy of your salvation. That was a little bit of a joke. But maybe... Maybe you're saved, but you're going, hey, I, if I'm honest, this last year, two years, I can point to some times where I've, I've pointed to some wide paths, some big doors, and I've kind of acted like they're narrow paths, narrow doors, the narrow door. And if you look at my social media feed, you can probably find it. If you hear the words that come out of my mouth, it's like there's these other paths I've pointed people to. I just want to invite us into a moment of repentance, just confessing that to the Lord. At the beginning, here the end of 2021, the beginning of 2022, just confess that. Just go, Jesus, I I just want to point to you. I just want to point to you as the narrow door. There's no other narrow, there's no other door. There's no other path that leads to life. If I've in any way pointed to something else besides you, Jesus, Help me not do it again. Help me point to you, point to you, point to you. Just confess that. Ask him to help you with it. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for your word that is timeless and timely. Timeless in the sense that it never changes and timely in the sense that it always, even on a Thursday night, the last Thursday of 2021, your word always changes us. Thank you for that. May we be a people an anomaly, something that goes against the statistics. May we be a people who have all entered through the narrow door. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.